Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then, here's a question. Are we seeing a truce in the global currency war after last February's G20 summit of economic policymakers in Shanghai? A rumour emerged that there had been some sort of deal to put an end to competitive currency devaluation among nations there. But even after the summit, the ECB, the BOJ kept their minus rates and quantitative easing, obviously affecting Europe and uh, Japan respectively. And uh, China's finance minister as well said that it had been media fantasy. Here in Korea, more and more pressure on our own policies, uh, including a push towards monetary uh, easing as well. Let's bring in Steve Hanker, Professor of Applied Economics at the Johns Hopkins University. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Alex. Good to be with you. Well, likewise, this is a sort of war that happens above many of our heads. It doesn't have casualties in the same way as a, as a military conflict. So can we first establish some sort of description or definition of what a currency war looked like in this case? Well, a, a currency war would be when uh, really a, a country actively tried to devalue its currency relative to the uh, currencies of its trading partner. But I don't view the current scene as one in which we're engaged or can observe really currency wars going on. I think I think most of the currencies are moving around uh, pretty much on their own. Uh, and and the reason that they are moving around is that the monetary authorities are taking action to affect their domestic economies per se without without much of a view on exchange rates i mean when you look at the united states for example i mean the the, the last two governors of the Federal Reserve System haven't even had the U.S. dollar euro exchange rate on their dashboard, so they, they don't even look at it. In a currency war, though, uh, you know, we appreciate your uh, your scepticism about whether this is what's actually been going on anyway, but in a currency war, what are the main weapons available to, to the various parties involved? Well, if you if you really had a currency war or current let's say a, a currency problem uh, a currency problem really has to revolve around the US dollar euro exchange rate that that's the most important price in the world the US dollar euro exchange rate and and everything revolves in in around that exchange rate and that orbit and and to the extent that there's a lot of volatility either in the dollar-euro rate or in, in the satellite rates going around it, then then you have potentially, you could describe it as a symptoms of a currency mm. war, not necessarily a real currency war, but symptoms of. It's, it's currency volatility, a lot of exchange rate volatility. And, of course, 
this is a problem because it, it slows down world economic growth. Uh, it, it creates a lot of instability, a lot of uncertainty, and, and slows down international investment and slows down international growth. So it's yes. a volatility. What, what we really should be shooting for is, is a focus on keeping the, the dollar-euro rate pretty stable and unifying as many of the other currencies in the world to that stable U.S. dollar-euro rate as possible. And, and the best thing would be to have mo most countries, we, we, I think we should have at least 90 to 100 countries should eliminate their domestic currencies altogether and either adopt the euro or the dollar, one of the two. Yeah. Again, just to add one further point on on this general discussion, we've heard before here in Korea, in fact, repeatedly, concerns about Japan's efforts to depreciate its currency, both as uh, as a weapon against Korean exporters, uh, global traders, and so on, but also uh, as a way of uh, beating Korea to tourists and, and that sort of thing. Even if that policy has not been entirely successful on Japan's part, c can we at least say that there is uh, an element of, of a conflict in this part of the world? Well, the, there, there is. I, I think there is an element. There is certainly a perception that that, that is kind of, the, shall we say, the, the objective of the Japanese with regard to the yen and, and of course, that has a history, and and, and that is the, the U.S. politically has been involved in all these Asian currencies, and and, and Japan is a is a, a key example. You you had uh, until 1985, from 1971 until 1985, uh, the the U.S. bashing the Japanese to have an ever-appreciating yen, make the yen stronger, 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 because the mercantilists in the United States, in Washington, D.C., viewed a, a, weak, a weak yen, a weak yen as a, a competitive threat to the United States, and, and they claimed that was the big reason Japan was exporting a lot to the United States and contributing to the trade deficit in the United States. Mm. In reality, the, the Japanese did follow orders from Washington, D.C. They did allow the, the, the yen to go from 360 yen to uh, about uh, 80 yen to the dollar. It was ever appreciating. But at the same time, the Japanese exports to the U.S. were growing, 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 and the contribution of the Japanese to the trade deficit in the United States was growing, growing, and, and it got up to about 65% of the total trade deficit in the United States was, was contributed by the Japanese, even though their currency was getting stronger, stronger, stronger. So, so there are just so many myths associated with strong currencies, weak currencies, currency wars, and so yes. forth, that, that it, it, it's unfortunate because the politicians, of course, grab onto this and convince the, the public that, that that's the way it works. Well, it doesn't really work that well, way. Just and, briefly on that, the finance minister of China saying this has been a media fantasy, the idea of some sort of ceasefire 
in currency terms at the G20 summit in February. Would you agree that I think that he's is completely, then? He's completely right. He, <laughs> the Chinese are completely right. See, the, the Chinese have, 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 have we've, we've kind of switched in Washington, D.C., from beating up on Tokyo to beating up on Beijing. And, and claiming that the only reason that, that the Chinese are contributing more and more to the trade deficit in the United States is because of the manipulated yuan. And, and it turns out, actually, since 2005, when they started liberalizing the, the exchange rate in, in China, the, the real exchange rate is appreciated mildly. So the the, the the one's gotten stronger, but the exports have have gotten stronger. So just the opposite of what the what the politicians are saying. Yes. You, you can't you can't. The lesson here is when it comes to exchange rates, you really can't listen to the politicians and what they're saying, because they they have it all wrong. Only, only when it comes to exchange rates. No, I would not limit the. Uh, <laughs> that statement to exchange rates but since we were on that topic no, I, 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 it's a playful note upon which to finish thank you so much professor hanky for joining us thank you alex have a good uh, day yeah you too professor steve hanky from johns hopkins university our email is open to you efm this morning at gmail.com we will in the next half hour hear uh, about the the need to protect our children from abuse in our daily voice uh, another hugely important issue can be difficult to listen to but um we'll see what that has to say and if you want to respond you can text us powder sharp 1013 for 51 per message also this week's quotes on the way very shortly with jacko's vetslut a lot happening in the local political scene speaking of what professor hunky just said about believing politicians or not so stay with us here on this morning